Welcome to the Homegrown Podcast, a place where we share the truth about food and farming from our kitchen to yours. I'm your host, Liz Hazelmeyer, along with my husband, Joey. Good morning. And together, we hope to educate, inspire, and equip you in your pursuit of true nourishment. Today's guest is Maria Marlowe, a certified holistic nutritionist specializing in acne and the founder of Kuma, a science-backed, ingestible skincare company on a mission to revolutionize how people think about skincare. Her signature 90-day clear skin plan program has completely broken down how to get to the root cause of your acne and clear it naturally and swiftly through diet and lifestyle changes, even when medications have failed you. She's the author of The Real Food Grocery Guide, Be Healthy Every Day, with over 30,000 copies sold and has been featured in Vogue, Good Morning America, and many more. Today, we're talking about all things skin health, acne, gut, brain, skin connection, and more. Maria, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. We are so excited. I love when we have the opportunity to talk to a specialist in the area of a really, really important topic that impacts so many. And acne and skincare is something that people are always asking questions about. And so I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, likewise. So am I. Cool. So I, of course, want to hear kind of how you got so interested in the acne and skin and gut health um, connection. So if you could start us off by just explaining a little bit about your background, that would be wonderful. Sure. So it all started with my own horrible case of acne that persisted for close to five years, despite trying all the things. You know, I started with the drugstore topicals, then the infomercial proactive, and then went to the dermatologist, actually several, several dermatologists, you know, over a span of years and tried a whole totem pole of different acne medications like antibiotics, they prescribed me birth control, spironolactone, all the way to Accutane at the end. And back when I had acne, it was like a lot harder to get the Accutane prescription, but because my acne had just persisted so long, I did finally get it. And I was um, I was actually initially excited to get it, but then I, I filled the prescription and I remember being in the car, I filled the prescription and I happened to read that little piece of paper that's stapled to the front. And the side effect list was shocking to say the least. Mm. Uh, I don't remember everything, but the one thing that stuck out to me at that time was severe depression that could lead to suicide. Mm. And here I am depressed about my skin. I had had like a nervous breakdown legitimately in the bathroom once looking at my skin and trying to understand I'm doing everything I'm told to do, whether it's what the dermatologist says or the teen magazines or whatever, like I'm literally doing everything I'm supposed to do and my skin is not clear up. So I really thought there was something wrong with me personally. And because none of the other medications had worked and because I was like, maybe not in the best place, I decided Mm -hmm. I'm not going to take this risk because it just, that's unexcusable. Um, And so I really became relegated to the fact that I was just cursed with bad luck. I had bad genes, perhaps, even though my brother and sister, they had a little bit of acne, but not like the way I did. And um, yeah, I just kind of had to live with it for a while. And then fast forward in college, I was sitting at lunch with a friend of mine and eating my typical lunch, which was like two slices of pizza and men's chocolate chip cookies and a Coca-Cola. And I think I was complaining about my skin. And she's like, she had grown up like a very different way than I had grown up. And she's like, oh, you know, it it might be caused by what you're eating. And I was like, you know, I nearly like spit my, you know, soda out of my nose. And um, 
I was like, at first I thought she was crazy, but then I was like, okay, fine. You know, she recommended some dermatologist that was like more holistic and believed in like the diet acne connection. And uh, long story short, I drastically overhauled my diet and my skin cleared up in a matter of three months. (gasps) And I was so in shock. I actually didn't believe it. I was like, there's no way that the food did this. It must be a miracle from heaven that my skin, like God had finally answered my prayers. Uh, And this is why my skin cleared up. So I went back to eating, you know, the pizza and the cookies. And of course, my skin broke out right away. And then I was like, oh, okay. It is the food. It is the food. And uh, yeah, that's what got me started on this journey. And I was you know, I was very happy that my skin had finally cleared, but I was also upset because everywhere you look, whether it's media or at the dermatologist's office at that time and still to this day, I mean, they're telling you that diet doesn't affect your skin, but it does. I mean, there's no way that it could not affect your skin, right? And if you think about it, even with medications, uh, like acne medications, you, you're you're eating them, right? You're swallowing them and they're going down the same exact digestive tract that the three to five pounds of food that we eat each and every single day is going. So th- if the pill can have an effect, certainly the food could have an effect mm. too. And that's what ultimately, you know, set me on my mission to uh, learn more about nutrition and cooking and then teach people about this gotten skin and diet and skin connection because at the time, I mean, this is over 10 years ago, really nobody was talking about it. I think today more people are talking about it, but then it was like nobody. So uh, yeah, that's that's really what inspired me to get started. Mm, what a powerful story. I'll tell you, as much as I shake my head and I get so frustrated for you, I'm like, why didn't these dermatologists like have your back? The skincare industry is still this like really fierce lion. We have a teenage daughter and I'm telling you, that preteen teenage audience is being captivated by skincare routines. I think social media plays a big role in that. Not that our kids have it, but they're just they're around peers who do and so it's like everyone wants to have a 12-step skincare routine and they all think it's topical and then they go eat this trash and this like classic teen junkie food and then they complain when their skin is not clear. And I'm like how can we how can we deliver better information sooner so that people don't have to stress? Well, there's also just so much. So we have a 12-year-old daughter, just about just about to turn 13. Mm-hmm. And she is, it's just all she wants for Christmas, all she wants to do is just skincare all day long. That's it. And some of it is she has a desire to look pretty. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say a sizable chunk of it is just this like desire to be doing what everybody else is doing and this constant – like the positioning and packaging of these products. I know. It, it's it captivating. It looks like, man, I really want to be doing that for myself, mm-hmm. right? And if I'm not doing all these these different things, then I'm going to lose ground or I'm going to become less than and I'm – it's it's insane. It's it's just like a Stanley Cup, but for your face, right? It's this <laughs> yeah, it's really really trendy thing so to trendy. do. And as you get to a certain age, it's like I want to get my ears pierced. I want to start my skincare routine. I want to you know have a Stanley Cup. It's all just like a package deal. So I want I want to talk about the skin gut connection. And if you could break that down for folks, because I totally agree, food is a huge component of that, but I know there's more there. So can you break that down for us? 
Yeah. So the skin and the gut are intricately connected and I even throw the brain in there. So Mm. there's something we now call the gut brain skin axis or the gut brain skin connection. And what this refers to is this very closely connected relationship between these three organs. And so what happens in one of these organs affects the others and it goes like both ways. So, um, for example, stress, which is originating in our brain, it's a thought, can actually disrupt our gut and change the gut microbiome, wiping out some of the good bacteria. Mm-hmm. This creates inflammation, and that inflammation doesn't just stay in the gut. It becomes chronic inflammation over time, right? And that can can show up as inflammation of the skin because that's what acne is. It's inflammation. Acne is considered a chronic inflammatory disorder. Um, and so that's, you know, that's an example of the brain affecting the skin. Um, and then also the foods that we're eating. So if we're eating foods that are promoting inflammation in the gut, again, that inflammation that's originating in the gut can spread through the body and ultimately end up on the skin. Um, you know, there's so many examples, even, you know, going kind of the other way. So getting vitamin D from the sun, Um, When our skin is exposed to the sun, our body makes vitamin D, and vitamin D is actually really important for gut health, and it helps to uh, strengthen the gut lining and improve gut health. Um, So there's just, you know, so many, so many ways that these three organs are connected. And that's why it's really important when we are talking about skin and not just acne. So any sort of inflammatory skin condition, we need to not just be thinking about our skin topically, but also, okay, what's going on with our thoughts? What is our stress level? And what's going on with our gut? What are we eating? How's our gut health? Uh, what's going on there, because ultimately the stress and the diet are going to have a huge, huge impact on the health of your skin. Mm, yeah. I would love to hear the main, the top, your top foods. Say someone has acne prone skin and they're like, okay, I'm in Maria. I believe you. What are the top foods I need to start eating? And then maybe some of the foods I should avoid. So the first place to start as someone who was eating like a mostly processed food diet Mm -hmm. and had really bad acne, what I find is the foods that most people are missing right off the bat, it's fiber-rich vegetables and fruits. So uh, I would start there and just add a few servings in every single day. So if you're not eating any vegetables right now, you know, add in maybe two servings, three servings a day. You don't want to go overboard. Um, And then you want to just gradually increase over time. So in particular, dark leafy greens like kale, um, spinach, arugula, chard, dandelion greens, These are kind of like nature's multivitamins. So they're going to supply us with a variety of vitamins and minerals and antioxidants that are supportive of our skin. They're also good for um, digestive health because they're a source of fiber. So they're going to help move things along the digestive tract. Um, And then orange fruits and vegetables. So things like sweet potatoes, uh, carrots, butternut squash. These are also really great for acne prone skin because Mm. they're a source of beta carotene, which our body converts to vitamin A, which we know is a nutrient that's uh, commonly lacking in acne prone skin. uh, And it's it's crucial for clear skin. So Mm. definitely adding some vegetables in and kind of uh, like on that note, Yes, the vitamins have nutrients that we need, but they also have that fiber. And fiber is so important if you have acne or an inflammatory skin condition because the way that we remove excess hormones is through our stool. 
So if you're constipated, then if your body is breaking down the, the excess hormones, they can actually get reabsorbed back into your bloodstream if they're sitting in your gut for too long, um, contributing to imbalances. So um, like if you have period breakouts or hormonal breakouts, make sure you're eliminating every day and your fiber-rich foods are going to help you with that. So your veggies, definitely number one. Um, I also really like ground flaxseed. This is this was kind of my skin saver when I had acne. I would add about a tablespoon or two of ground flaxseed to salads or whatever I was eating, oatmeal or whatever it was, um, because flaxseed is a good source of fiber. It's a great source of omega-3s. This is another nutrient that acne patients are typically lacking in, omega-3. Mm. Um, and uh, it just adds a nice nutty flavor to things. So that was really helpful for me. I kind of also call that like my emergency breakout plan. So if you are breaking out, add some flaxseed to your food for a few days and you'll notice the redness and the inflammation of the pimple typically will go down a lot faster. I also love cod liver oil or liver in general, but I know sometimes people find it harder to consume. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. So I really like cod liver oil, like a really high quality cod liver oil because it's just easier to get consistently. Um, it will be a good source of vitamin A, which I mentioned. It's really important mm -hmm. for acne-prone skin, vitamin D, and then omega-3. So I feel like liver and cod liver oil is really a uh, skin, skin superfood. Uh, fermented foods, that's another really important area because we need to nourish the gut. So mm -hmm. fermented foods are going to be a great source of uh, probiotics, which we need to support a healthy gut microbiome. And what the research shows is that acne patients tend to lack the good lactobacillus uh, strains of bacteria and bifidobacteria. Mm -hmm. So in from traditionally fermented foods, you're going to get some of those lactobacillus bacteria, which are really important. And I'd also say high quality animal products. So most people, again, me included at the time, I was eating whatever meat, whatever chicken. Like, I mean, I was eating chicken nuggets from McDonald's. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I wasn't caring about the quality of my foods, but or my meats, I should say. Um, but it's really, really important because grass-fed meat is different than grain-fed meat. And we know, for example, like talking about omega-3, omega-3 is so, so important for our skin, for skin hydration, for skin clarity. Um, and the grain-fed meats are going to be lower in omega-3 and higher in omega-6 compared mm -hmm. to the grass-fed. So if you're constantly eating these uh, grain-fed meats, you know, you can be pushing your body towards that inflammation imbalance. So uh, the quality of meat, I would say also like switching to, first of all, organics and grass-fed, and um, that's going to also make a huge difference. Mm. Where do you see your fat choices fitting into the inflammation in the body? Yeah. So fat, definitely we need fat. We need healthy fats. So I'm a fan of like, you know, wild salmon and getting, you know, avocados and nuts and seeds and like mm -hmm. grass fed meats for our sources of fat and really avoiding the vegetable oils. Mm -hmm. um, because again, that's going to be a source of omega-6. It's actually like the biggest source of omega-6 in the, omega, the, the American diet because vegetable oils are in everything. You know, yeah. they're in restaurant foods, they're in packaged foods, 
They're in people's kitchens often. Mm -hmm. And so we're consuming them all of the time. And that, again, can kind of, when we're having too too many vegetable oils, that's going to push our body, you know, more towards that pro-inflammatory state. So really the most important thing that we can do for acne is we want to reduce inflammation and replacing your, uh, you know, your vegetable oils, your canola oil, your grapeseed oil, um, just the vegetable oil, the generic vegetable oil, mm-hmm. replacing all of that with like an extra virgin olive oil or coconut oil, even like beef tallow, um, animal fats, those would be a better source. Mm, I love that. What? Okay. So growing up, I felt like acne was caused by either bacteria on the skin or like too fatty of a diet, like eating too many fried foods or something. And so as a teen, you know, you're like, oh, I got to go low fat and I need to like wash my face heavily, like disinfect my face almost, which uh, doesn't work, right? So what is the cause of acne and is there any um, validity to treating on a topical level or should we really be focusing internally first? That's a fantastic question. So Yes. When I was struggling with acne, we heard over and over, I mean, still to this day, you hear it, that acne is caused by acne-causing bacteria. Mm -hmm. It used to be called the P. acnes bacteria. It has since more recently been renamed C. acnes, Cutibacterium acnes. Um, But the really important thing to note, so if we just kind of like go back a little history lesson. So back in the 1950s, based on the available science at the time, that is what researchers and doctors believed is that acne was caused by this particular strain of bacteria. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is why we started using antibiotics to treat acne. And, you know, over time, you know, in the next few decades, like nothing changed, nothing changed. But by the 80s, the research started to indicate that actually that bacteria may have really just been the scapegoat for acne and not the first domino that's going to set off the whole chain of events. So so bacteria may play some role, but it's not the initial spark and it's not, you know, what people think. So, Mm. so various different studies. So first of all, um, this bacteria, the P. acnes or C. acnes bacteria, it's now considered a commensal or good bacteria because it mm. is found on clear, healthy skin in equal amounts as those with acne. We've also found that you could have acne without having this particular strain of bacteria mm. on your skin. Um, and what researchers were finding is that it's actually inflammation, like chronic inflammation in the body that is setting off that spark that is then causing the clogged pore and the, the pimple and the breakout. And again, so bacteria may play some role, but it's, it's not the first, it's not the first thing. And it's not, you know, necessarily like the primary cause it's inflammation is the primary cause. Um, and so to get to your question on topical, so I think antibiotics for acne is just um, not a good idea, in my mm-hmm. opinion, right? Because, well, let me actually like add on to that. So 80s kind of started the research of like, okay, it's inflammation. It's probably inflammation, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. By the 2010s, there was enough science, enough studies to suggest that it's not actually bacteria, that it's inflammation, that acne was reclassified as a chronic inflammatory disorder, chronic inflammatory Mm. skin disease. So acne Mm. is not a bacterial infection. It's not like a MRSA Mm. infection, right? That is a bacterial infection. No, 
Acne is considered a chronic inflammatory skin disorder. And so inflammation is really at the root. So when we realize that, that should have left or led to a paradigm shift in the way that we address acne, right? Because it's not bacteria anymore, it's inflammation. Yet we're still trying to go after the bacteria, scrubbing it away or killing it from the inside, when really we need to be going after the inflammation. Mm. And interestingly, not all, um, not all antibiotics work for acne. The class of antibiotics that work for acne also happen to have anti-inflammatory properties. Mm. So kind of in retrospect, it seems that it may have been the anti-inflammatory properties that were making more of a difference than the antimicrobial. And, you know, for anyone who has taken the antibiotics for acne, oftentimes, unfortunately, the acne comes back several months later and often with a vengeance. And that's kind of like the paradox about it, because what's happening is it's not just killing the quote unquote acne bacteria, it's also killing some good bacteria in your gut. And then that gut dysbiosis can lead to inflammation, right? And then you know, break out some line. So should we treat the outside? Yes. Skin has two sides, right? It has inside mm-hmm. or outside. So we definitely still want to nourish our skin on the outside and clean it every day and, you know, put uh, serums and things on it to, to keep our skin happy. Um, but in terms of acne, you're really going to get the best results by focusing on the inside. So you want to do mm-hmm. both, but the primary, like your diet is going to do the heavy lifting. Mm. And, you know, it's interesting. There's also been some studies on like um, different cultures around the world or groups of people uh, and their incidence of acne. So there were some researchers that looked at, I was in South America, they looked at some like tribe in South America that's kind of like a hunter-gatherer tribe. And um, the Kitava Island, Islanders of Papua New Guinea, and it was the Ashe Hunters of Paraguay. So they looked at these two different groups, and they followed one of the groups for three years. And not one person, okay, not one adult, child, teenager, elderly person, like nobody got a pimple in three years. And I think it was about a thousand people, give or take, okay? Wow. Can you imagine, like, mind-blowing, no. right? And then the other group, they only studied for a year, but again, they had, there was no incidence of of acne anywhere. And so you might say, oh my God, these people are genetically blessed. You know, I wish I was born in their, in their tribe. No, because when you look at people who have, you know, left that life and then gone to live in the cities, their, um, their rate of acne is the same as the people living in the city. It's not Mm -hmm. the same as their, you know, ancestors. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the idea that like you don't have to break out ever, I feel like is so rare to, to us. And we think, oh, we need to like manage it, right, with our 10-step skincare and all that. But really, like we don't. Like if we keep our inflammation in check, keep our stress in check, keep a healthy diet, like your skin will stay clear and you need minimal skincare. Mm-hmm. And also like the paradox is like with the, the skincare is like when you're doing too much, using too many actives, scrubbing too hard, you can actually make your skin more sensitive and more prone to breakouts, right? Because you're disrupting the skin barrier um, and creating inflammation topically. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think with the skincare, the best approach is just take care of it, but like gently, you know, using natural products, nothing too harsh. Um, but yeah, focus on that internal stuff. Mm. That's something I say, I've been trying to convince my oldest of that. Like, 
acne is not a teenage rite of passage. It doesn't have to be like that. I actually grew up with pretty clear skin and so did my mom. And so I always was like, oh, maybe it's hereditary. But um, I don't believe that anymore. I think it's I think it's a consequence of your lifestyle, either good consequence or negative consequence. So I think that that's a really encouraging um, bit of information because you, you, I think back 50 years when all, before this crazy skincare craze, teenagers were not walking around with insanely inflamed skin. It's just I feel like it, it was a different world and we've forgotten that that is possible. Yeah, it's actually amazing. So I've done so much research into this. Like I also like the history of things. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the statistics now in the U.S., the acne rate for teenagers is somewhere between like 90 and 95% of teenagers get acne, okay? And this is accepted as like normal. But if you look back into the 50s, into the 30s, the early 1900s, 80s, the rates of of teenage acne were much, much less. And the same thing with adult acne. Like adult Mm. acne was kind of unheard of for, you know, a long time. Like acne was considered a teenage issue. Uh, But now the rates of adult acne have risen. So I think it's, if I remember correctly, it's like 40% of 20-somethings, 30% of 30-somethings, and 20% of 40-somethings, like somewhere around there, are, are getting acne. Um, And so we have to ask why, what's going on? And again, if we look at different parts of the world and different parts of time, like I actually saw some uh, pretty recent, like relatively recent studies um, in Egypt. So these researchers were looking um, at skin disorders in like a rural part of Egypt where they don't really have access to uh, processed foods and chips and cookies and all that stuff. So they're eating beans and lentils and meat and vegetables. Like that's like the primary staples of their diet. The rate of acne amongst teenagers is 2%. 2%. Okay. And then you go to Cairo, right, which is a more industrialized city where they do uh-huh. have access to the, all the processed foods. And I believe it was more around 60%. Wow. So again, it's, you know, and then like if we look at, uh, like places like, you know, Okinawa, or um, if we look at um, like the Inuits um, mm-hmm. in in Canada, like before these places were westernized, the mm-hmm. rates of acne and other chronic disease for that matter was basically non-existent. And then once the Western food and the Western influence came in, that's when slowly but surely it started to creep up. Mm. Do you find the same information for like childhood and even adult eczema and and psoriasis and other skin disorders? Like I can imagine that this has to apply to other skin issues, that it's a root of inflammatory cause. Is that is that what you found? Yeah. So I haven't honestly like researched too much into psoriasis and eczema, but I would imagine that is absolutely the case, mm-hmm. um, you know, even just amongst friends and, you know, people I know. The, the amount of people who have psoriasis and eczema, it's, you know, and even celebrities, right? We hear celebrities all the time, like talking about this stuff. Absolutely. And I think because our lifestyle is more pro-inflammatory than it used mm-hmm. to be, mm-hmm. I think for sure there, it, you know, there's a correlation between our lifestyle and, uh, and the rise in these skin disorders. Yeah. For someone who is ready to start a whole foods, low inflammatory diet, what is the general timeline that you give them to, to see a visible 
improvement in their skin. So this may sound shocking, but you can start to see a difference in three days. Okay. I'm not saying it's going to clear your skin completely, but if you are eating a processed diet, a highly processed diet, and you commit to eating whole real anti-inflammatory foods for three days, you will see a difference. You will see a reduction in redness, a reduction in bumps. Your skin will look less angry. A lot of times people will describe their skin. They're like, my skin just looks so like angry, right? And then eating this way just calms everything down. I actually have a like a three-day clear skin starter kit on my website, which has some anti-inflammatory recipes, including drinks and desserts and all of that stuff. So you can eat. It's not like a you know very restrictive. It's just choosing the right ingredients like the turmeric and the flaxseed and the wild salmon. And these things are going to help reduce inflammation pretty quickly. So I like to tell people to give it a try for three days and then you can decide whether you want to keep on for, you know, 90 days, because I would say 90 days, you want to give yourself three full months of Mm -hmm. sticking to a healthy whole food diet, anti-inflammatory diet to really see you know, the full benefit of it. And I think if you give it, even if you give it a month, like you'll see a difference in a month, but you, for the best results, you want to give it three full months. And I think after that, you'll never, you'll never go back. And also your taste buds will have changed such that you really start mm-hmm. to crave these foods. Like I used to crave cookies and chips and like all these highly processed foods. But as I started to um, you know, eat more healthily and less sugar and less, you know, all this processed salt and uh, fried foods and all of that. I didn't even want those foods anymore. And like, in mm. fact, I remember when I had switched to like dark chocolate, I had to kind of wean myself off of, of the like regular milk chocolate candy. Um, the first time I had actually eaten, I don't know if it was M&M's or like whatever it was, it was some like, maybe it was just a regular milk chocolate. I had to spit it out because I was like, this is so disgusting. It's so sweet. Mm-hmm. I can't, I, I don't, I don't want to eat it. Mm-hmm. So give yourself three months and you will see like a huge, huge difference. Mm. Uh, so going back to what you said earlier too, you said when you were explaining the various foods that are really healing to the skin, you were also mentioning really common nutrient deficiencies. I think you mentioned vitamin A, um, vitamin D maybe. I heard omega-3s a lot. And a lot of those things are found in really amazing um, quality sourced animal products, right? So I think that that is a key point I just want to put a pin in because we've talked to several people on the show before who have um, shared very vulnerably their like vegan and vegetarian experience. And one of the first things they saw was their skin completely deteriorate. And I think it's less about, oh, vegetables are harming you because I don't believe that. But I think it's just they were lacking. It's harder to get those nutrients in a bioavailable way when you're only eating plant source foods. And especially when a lot of those plant source foods are laced with some of those inflammatory oils. So it's encouraging to hear Hey, let's just go back to the basics. Let's eat real food. Let's eat. Let's incorporate healthy animal products. There's this weird stigma of like, if I eat meat and animal fat, you know, will that make my skin break out? Do you remember feeling that way as a teenager? I felt that way. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely the fried food, but there's a difference between like fried food and then, yes. you know, animal, <laughs> animal right. fat. Um, so the fried food is pro-inflammatory because when you fry an oil, um, it, you know, it completely changes the composition of the oil. It becomes trans fat. We know that trans fats are very detrimental to our health, especially our mm-hmm. heart health. Um, and so, yeah, fried food is is, you know, we want to avoid that once in a while. It's not going to kill you, but mm-hmm. we want to avoid that. But animal fats are different. And I think fat in general, like definitely, um, I think when I was kind of like growing up, I was scared of all fat. Like I didn't want to avocado, you know, (laughs) because it was going to make me fat. But that's the furthest thing from the truth. I mean, it's really the sugar and refined carbohydrates that are causing the weight gain and causing the issues. We need fat, especially for our hormone health as women. We need fat. Um, And so, yeah, no, Get your your animal, uh, sorry, get your fat from like healthy animal sources from, um, you know, you can also get it from plant-based sources. But no, animal protein, I think, is really important. And actually, interestingly, a lot of clients, I, I do have a lot of vegan clients that come to me and um, there are some common deficiencies. Like omega-3 is really a big one because oftentimes vegans are eating a lot of omega-6 rich food, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. like with the oils or um, just like a lot of grains and um, you know, they're not eating wild salmon or anchovies or things like that, which are a great source. Um, and, you know, they may not be eating seeds because omega-3 is primarily found in fatty fish and in seeds like hemp seed, chia seed, flax seed. So if you're really not eating, like if you're a vegan and you're not eating an abundance of these seeds, like every single day, like it's, it's going to be very hard. Also, um, you know, in terms of like bioavailability, right? There's three different omega threes, uh, and so the plant based sources is actually different than the the animal based sources. And you know, if your body doesn't convert the plant based sources as well into the other omega three that you need, right, it, it becomes hard. So um, I think you know it's really important that we always listen to our body because mm-hmm. sometimes we want to listen to our head. And we get an idea in our head and we say, oh, this is the way, this is amazing. And maybe it's amazing initially, we have some improvements. But like if we have symptoms, like if we have acne, if we have headaches, if we have period cramps, if we have stomach aches, like these are all signs and communication from your body that something is not right. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that we listen to that and we try to start to connect the dots You can start doing that on your own, perhaps keeping a food and symptom diary so you can see, you know, what's, you know, what you're eating and what's happening or working with a nutritionist who can really help you connect the dots. Um, I think it's so, so important that we, yeah, let go of any preconceived notions in our head about what we think is right and actually see what we feel is right, how we feel good. I mean, energy is another thing. You know, a lot of times people will just be perpetually exhausted and tired and need to sleep like 10 or 11 hours a day. And that's not normal. You know, something's Mm -hmm. going on there and you want to make sure that you're fueling your body in such a way that you can get through the whole day, you know, not exhausted. Yeah. I'm curious and you, I know your focus is acne and healthy skin, but do you do anything um, or look into anything around graceful aging, I guess is how I'll say it. Because I'm not afraid of wrinkles, right? But like, I don't want to be super wrinkly at 32. Like, that just feels premature. So do you have any yes. Yes. Yeah, well, tips I'm, and tricks? Yeah, for sure. I'm 37. So I'm like in the same boat. Oh, wow. I'm like, yeah, your I'm like oh, amazing. well, when I smile, there's like some lines there. I'm like, oh my God, you know, like the first time you see that in a photo, you're like, oh my God. But 
Yeah, first of all, I think aging is such like a beautiful thing. And like mm-hmm. the fact that we are getting to age, you know, I, I, like it's a privilege. we need to be, yeah, it's a privilege. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I don't like uh, talking about like anti-aging, but yeah, I also want to preserve my, you know, taut skin. <laughs> There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. And interestingly, you know, when it comes to wrinkles, it's not like you turn a certain age and then you're going to start to wrinkle. No, we all wrinkle at different ages. Mm. What's causing the um, the wrinkles is, again, is actually inflammation and oxidative stress, mm-hmm. which is breaking down our collagen and elastin and causing our skin to become a little bit more lax and develop those fine lines and wrinkles. So like when people, people always ask me, like, I don't have lines on my forehead. Like you can see I don't have Botox, but everyone thinks I have Botox because I don't have any lines on my forehead. And I'm always like, no, look, I can move my eyebrows. Yeah. The reason I don't have wrinkles is because I eat a very anti-inflammatory diet. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. saying they'll never come, but like it'll hopefully be, be a long while before mm-hmm. that happens. So yeah, in terms of anti-aging, I think one, it's really important to eat antioxidant-rich foods because we know that oxidative stress damages the collagen, um, leading to premature fine lines and wrinkles. Um, There's been some interesting studies on vitamin C, and they've actually found there was a study with, I want to say, about 4,000 women. And um, it, it basically asked, like, looked at their kind of like wrinkles and wrinkle depth and all of that, and then also like checked their diet. And it was the women who ate the highest amounts of vitamin C who had the lowest amounts of skin wrinkling and skin aging. Mm. Um, and vitamin C plays a role in collagen production. Mm, so, um, and then of course it's an antioxidant as well. So it's protecting your collagen. And then like a collagen supplement or eating collagen-rich foods, like for example bone broth. Um, these are also amazing for our skin. So I saw a uh, I saw a video from Selma Hayek, and somebody was asking her because I think she's in her fifties now. Like, oh, you know, what's your beauty secret? You look so young. And she's like, oh, I eat a lot of fat. I eat a lot of bone broth. I eat a lot mm. of like animal fat. And she's like, I meditate. So I don't know if she's doing anything else, right? I can't comment on that, but. Um, collagen-rich foods have also been shown in multiple studies to actually reverse fine lines and wrinkles. And it's only like 12 weeks. So three months is not a really long time. And it's about, they vary from like, I think two and a half to like 10 grams of collagen a day. Uh, So I try to aim for like the seven to 10. Um, And yeah, so I think, uh, I do think it makes a difference. When you take it consistently, I feel like you can see the difference for sure. So yeah, I'd say collagen protein-rich foods are also important, um, you know, because again, we need the protein to build our own collagen. Um, So yeah, protein and antioxidants, I think those, if you want your skin to remain uh, youthful looking, then those are the two kinds of foods you want to make sure you're incorporating plenty of. So we we talked about using anti, what what do we call antimicrobial soaps or things that were Mm -hmm. harming your gut health, right? As a topical treatment, right? So we're talking about, the question is around skincare products, okay? I currently have a 12-year-old that's really excited about skincare products of any kind. If it comes in a glittery package, not even glittery at this point, now it's like a, you know, chic package. I guess I could call it. She's mm-hmm. excited about it. She wants to use it. She wants to experiment with it. She's until I tell her how terrible it is, and then she throws it away. And but yes, it is a real thing. So the the question like to screen is screen everything because 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 we're having this. This is great. I, I, people, I am learning so much about how I could potentially benefit my skin. Get rid of your wrinkles. Get rid of my wrinkles. No, you have great skin. <laughs> and and uh, my you know. Anyways, 
the first question is around what what so so there's definitely harm in skincare that's that's harming our gut health. That is that is one thing that I've heard. Is there any other harm that skincare can be doing and uh, like to our skin as we're applying it and using it? Is it too harsh? Is it that's that's question one? And kind of like piggybacking off onto like on that. Um, are there specific skincare products that we should just straight up avoid? Hmm. Yeah. So um, I think if we are using uh, either too harsh of skincare uh, with um, you know products that are making our skin more irritated and red or dry or like soaking up too much oil. Like this is a big mistake. I think people make, especially with acne is they try to get rid of all of the oil on their Mm. skin, which ends up backfiring because your skin needs some oil to, you know, be healthy. Um, And so your skin basically compensates or overcompensates by producing more oil, not less. So you end up like kind of on this hamster wheel of (laughs) your skin producing more oil. And then, you know, you, wiping it all off. Uh, so yes, I think that using uh, too many products or overly harsh products can definitely disrupt our skin. It's going to disrupt our skin barrier. We also have a skin microbiome. Um, so if we're using antibacterial products on our skin, that's getting rid of the good bacteria. And the good bacteria keep the, you know, quote unquote, um, more opportune or bad or like opportunistic bacteria in check. Um, and it's all about a balance. So it's not so much like good and bad is like we need a balance of of these Mm. different things and we don't want one to get too high or too low you know um so yes topical skincare can definitely cause damage to our skin and i think it's kind of like mouthwash and like when you start using it like you need to keep using it because it kind of perpetuates the problem Mm. like i find that i honestly like i don't like doing facials like or i'm very very picky with who does my facial because i feel like they're using so many products my skin always breaks out after a facial um like or i'll get these like little small like like little small bumps that's not like a pimple but it's just like you know irritation Mm -hmm. and so um yes so it can disrupt and then uh, what was your second question so like are there skincare products that we should straight up avoid? So I, I'm mm. hearing there's a balance we need to have in what we're using. Yeah. Uh, and in that, hey, there is some bacteria like removal that is appropriate, but definitely don't just sit there and, you know, sterilize your face with bleach. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> yeah. But so I'm I'm so, hearing that. Is yeah. there anything that we should just avoid? Yeah. So just before I address that, I'll say, you know, you're seeing a lot more probiotics in skincare these days. Mm. And that's, um, it's amazing. And you'll find like when you use these products, they tend to make your, like they're, they're very gentle. So they're not going to dry your skin out. They're going to help like kind of calm, um, you know, calmer skin. And I think also using botanicals. So like things like turmeric and, you know, different botanical ingredients that are good for reducing inflammation, see buckthorn, tea tree, like there's all these different amazing botanical ingredients that we can use that are going to be a bit more gentle than, for example, using retinoids or using, you know, acids that we have to be careful with. I think anything that could, uh, you know, potentially burn your skin and cause it to flake and peel off. Like for me, I know this is a very unpopular opinion, but for me, I think that's too much. And I think Americans have this, like, we have to like you know, work really hard and like blood, sweat and tears. And like, we have to like punish ourselves in order to get results. And -hmm. I really don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case in nature. Like, I think we can kind of just be gentle with ourselves and get the results we want. So like, in my opinion, I'm not a fan of retinoids. I'm not a fan of like really harsh scrubs. Um, I'm not a fan of like synthetic ingredients. I mean, I think the more natural products we can use, the better. And there's so many amazing companies out there that are making 
natural products that using natural ingredients. I know beef tallow is really popular, like even as a skincare ingredient now. For me, it breaks my skin out. It clogs my pores. But, you know, everyone's different. Um, so there's just so, yeah, there's so many natural things we can use. I love jojoba oil. I love borage oil. Um, I love like uh, probiotic products. So yeah, I would I would move towards like the more natural ingredient mm. products and kind of steer clear of anything that comes with a warning label that if you put too much, your skin is going to be raw and red, you know, for a week and peeling off. Mm. What do you, I assume I know the answer to this, but um, it's not my, is it micro needling? What's the thing where people are like, either shaving their face or mm. they're getting micro needles put in their face for like yeah. how do you feel about those so kind of- the shaving the face the dermaplaning yes that i'm not a fan of um definitely not for acne prone skin <laughs> there's so, so women shave like the peach fuzz off their face it's like a trendy thing the peach fuzz the peach fuzz on your face like the like, small hairs, like there's yeah. little oh. tiny like all, hairs that you can you really can't see unless you're like I super call it close. Peach fuzz. Okay. Yeah, it's peach fuzz. It is peach yeah. fuzz. Um, yeah, so not a fan. Definitely not for acne prone skin, or even if you have clear skin, um, because you're when you exfoliate too much, you're taking off you know that top layer of skin that we need, right? You're you're disrupting the skin barrier, disrupting the skin microbiome that's protecting us from infection. That's you know, serving so many purposes. So I'm definitely not a fan of that. And I actually sometimes like I'll, you know, do posts on this and I'll get a ton of comments like, yeah, my skin was so clear. And then I started dermaplaning and mm. I got all these breakouts. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are going to do it, I would say go to an esthetician and do it. Like they'll do it properly um, with the least risk of irritation. Definitely don't do it yourself. Mm. For microneedling, um, Microneedling, I think, can actually be really great for scarring, for um, mm. reducing scars. So again, it's not something I would necessarily do if you have active acne, but if you have scarring, I wouldn't do it at home. I would go to a licensed esthetician who can do it properly, and that that could help. Um, that can definitely help with the scarring. Mm, that's good to know. That's good to yeah. know. It makes sense, right? That with acne being a reaction, it's not like it's in reaction. If you, in its simplest form, is it's a symptom. Something has caused this to happen. Not, mm-hmm. not a. Um, you're going to get acne now, yeah. right? Like, like you know, and and I also grew up. I, I definitely had a, a phase of life where I would get some acne. I never was like, and I mean, I knew I knew people that man, they really struggled with their skin. Yeah, I knew people like that. Oh my gosh, and and it's hard. I, yeah, I'm sure. I definitely didn't get acne like that. I would. I, I definitely did get some. But it's an interesting thing when you think about it. Now, now here's where, because I have a question here. So people are probably still going to get some acne. They're going to go and they're going to they're going to try to implement this protocols. So we live in 2024 now, right? And the I woke up with a blemish on my cheek today. I know it's stress induced, though. I literally had that thought. I was like, this has to be stress. I've had a very stressful three weeks. So You're it's going to happen. Flaxseed. It's going to happen. It happens. It happens. Yeah. Some flaxseed's good. Matcha tea for stress acne in particular. Mm. Green tea or matcha tea can be helpful because um, actually, so when we're stressed, so not only is there that um, that reaction with the guts and then mm. the, you know, the inflammation, 
uh, high cortisol levels also actually increase your oil production or your sebum production in your skin, um, creating more oil on your skin, which can then, you know, but the more oil and the inflammation is just a recipe for a breakout. Uh, so green tea and, uh, and matcha tea, which is a form of green tea, can actually help to lower your cortisol levels. Mm-hmm. So if you are someone who gets a lot of stress acne, incorporating some green tea into your diet may, may help and some meditation. <laughs> I'm going to do that. So the question is, people are going to get acne. Yep. And um, I, I, I'm a very simple-minded human, right? And so what is the protocol? So you're, you've, got, you've got a big day coming up, a big interview, your wedding, something's happening, and they're like, Maria, I just got acne. Yep. And I've got like three days. Well, is there days. a difference between a blemish and like full-blown acne? I guess you're saying like some redness popping. Yeah, like a pimple. A pimple. Yeah, like a yeah, pimple. I've, yeah. got, I've got one pimple or whatever. What do I do? Okay, yeah. So first of all, do not touch it. For the love of God, do not touch Don't your touch pimple. Don't touch it. This is <laughs> no, good. This, this, I was going to ask if she didn't no, say it. I was going to say it. You cannot pop it. Listen, okay. look, I've been there. I've definitely popped pimples. Um, but – when you start touching it, you start making it bigger. Like uh-huh. it's just, it's inevitable. Unless it is like a little tiny white head where it's just a white head. Yeah. Fine. Take a shower, make it steamy, pop it after, put some like tea tree oil. You're okay. If it's like a proper pimple, do not touch it because you're going, like you can push the inflammation deeper. You can spread the inflammation. Mm. It's just going to prolong the issue. So whatever you have to, don't look in the mirror, <laughs> you know, just, just don't touch Ignore. it. Ignore. So that's number one. Uh, Number two would be have some wild salmon. I like to keep Mm. wild salmon, frozen wild salmon in my freezer. This is an amazing source of omega-3s and omega-3s have highly anti-inflammatory, you know, properties. Um, And so um, that is going to be really helpful. So I have a recipe on my website for five spiced salmon, which Mm. has uh, some anti-inflammatory spices on top like turmeric and cumin, black pepper and cayenne. And I forget what the fifth one is. It might be garlic powder. But so um, so that's really good, really simple to make, and it's really really tasty. Have that with some some greens, you know, some whatever vegetables that you want. Um, you know, you could throw some brown rice in there, whatever you want. But th- I would I would definitely have some wild salmon. Also, keeping ground flaxseed on hand. Again, this is a good source of omega three, and it's like easier. Like if you don't have time to like cook a you know a salmon dinner. Put mm-hmm. some flaxseed on your salad or your whatever you're in a smoothie, like whatever you're eating, put some flaxseed in there, like a tablespoon of ground flaxseed. Um, and avoid avoid sugar. Avoid mm-hmm. sugar and refined carbohydrates because those are, are, you know, those are a source of, uh, you know, inflammation. So I say that. And just relax. Like, yeah, maybe go do a meditation. I know not everyone's going to do this, but try to chill and try not to stress about it because, again, the stress is going to raise your cortisol levels. It's going to disrupt your gut. Um, So try to just remain as calm as possible. Mm. Um, And then if it is a whitehead, they have these now. They didn't – I mean, I don't know if they had these back in the day. I don't think they did when I had acne, but um, these hydrocolloid patches – which mm. um, if, if it's a whitehead, so if it's a red pimple, this is not going to work for that. You can ice it. Actually, if you ice one of those red bumps, um, it will help to bring down the inflammation. So that's like one thing you could do. But if it's a whitehead, um, you can put a hydrocolloid patch on it. They're like these little clear stickers. And um, that will actually like suck the, the pus out of it and mm. um, helps to, re- you know, reduce scarring as well. So mm. if you have three days, like that could, that could really help 
And it will also prevent you from picking it as well. Mm. Is that what like the pimple patches are yes. that I see people using? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they have like stickers and like cute ones, but they also yeah. have clear ones. And they even have one that's apparently like so thin that you can put makeup over it. So you can, oh, wow. you know, wear it during the day and be virtually undetectable. I'm, I'm, I'm almost a little bit bummed because I was going to ask about icing. Just be- and here's why. Okay. I'm sports, right? You would, you would, we're talking about inflammation, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you'd pick up an injury, a knock, a bruise, and, you know, rest, ice, you know, these, these sorts of things would be what we would do to and elevate, right? I can't remember the whole, the whole saying, but icing being a major component, like needing to ice your, you know, the, you know, the inflammation, your bruising, your swelling, whatever it was. And so I was going to sound really smart when I said that. And she, <laughs> You're she, sad because she's, 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 really she's, 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 she's already there. But, but of course she's it's interesting though, how, when she, Maria, when you were talking, the first place you went wasn't topical, right? So I said, hey, how, how do we treat it? And the first thing you said was like, don't touch it. Yeah. And I think that's just so anti how people feel, right? Because that's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And what, what, what I think there. we need to change the way we're seeing this is that the zit is a symptom or the, 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 the pimple. I don't know what the like, pimple. Yeah, I hate it, both words, so whatever. Okay. Is a, is <laughs> they a, both are terrible. <laughs> is a symptom of an issue. And so you're, you, you immediately went to, man, let's, let's eat wild salmon. And I'll tell you right now, at least I've never heard somebody tell me that. <laughs> so what did you, know, when you, eat, you get a pimple, eat wild salmon. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm running to Kroger. What are you going to Kroger for? I got to sit. It's like, what are you, what are you, what are you going there for? It's like, I need wild salmon. Yeah. And, um, it's, uh, that's so good. So, so man, some of this protocol that if y'all are listening and you've got a big, you know, big date or something coming up, you know, go out and get some wild salmon, throw it in the freezer just in case, right? And and maybe ice it first with the cold <laughs> salmon and then See, cook it. It's dual purpose. It's, it's money right there. That's Liz approved. I, I, the the flaxseed's super interesting as well because you could make yourself an amazing salad with flaxseed. Do like a you know Put awesome that in a smoothie. I don't, yeah. I don't think I've done much with flaxseed. I should get that. And then you could do yeah, you could do some wild salmon and have like a salmon salad. Be outstanding. Yeah. The the. Um, the icing makes sense to me. Uh, what were those patches again for people that maybe missed that? Hydrocolloid patches. Are there any like phony versions that people should look out for? Or are they all pretty? So away? they're now like they're very inexpensive. Um, but you know how the beauty industry is like they're mm-hmm. trying to make it more fancy and more like high tech and da da da. So they have some with micro darts and some with like you know, added ingredients. Like, no, you don't need any of that. Just get like the simple, like cheapest little um, hydrocoli patch. Now there are some that like are more visible than others, like the thickness and I guess mm-hmm. whatever the out- outer material is. So like, for example, if you want to wear it under makeup, there are certain brands that will be better for that um, versus, you know, if you're just wearing it to sleep or you don't care, for example. Um, so you could just do a little research on that, but they're pretty, you know, they're pretty similar. You can, um, you know, they also use hydrocolloid patches for um, like blisters, mm-hmm. um, you know, those like blister band-aids. That's, mm-hmm. that's basically what they are. So, Interesting. Um, yeah, so you, it, they should be very easy to find, but you just need the simple like plain hydrocolloid patch, no, okay. no fancy bells and whistles. What about covering up a pimple? So, you, so oftentimes people will get a pimple or zit or whatever, and then they cover it up with makeup so that you don't see it. Is that helping, hurting? Is that, is there no side effect? Yeah, I think, I think that's totally okay. Uh, obviously, you know, 
breakouts can take a toll on our confidence and we want to always feel confident and makeup can help us feel confident. Mm -hmm. So um, covering it up is okay. Just of course, be mindful of your, your makeup, you know, some, some makeup and it also depends on your skin, right? So a makeup could say that it's non-comedogenic, it's non-pore clogging, but if when you put the makeup on and your skin is clear in the morning and at the end of the day you have more pimples, then this is probably not the right makeup for you. Mm. You want to try something else. Um, but yeah, if you have a pimple, like again, don't pick it because if you're picking it, it's open wound, right? And then it gets very messy. Um, but if it's like a closed pimple, yeah, I think it's totally fine to cover it up, you know, use something um, that that is non-comedogenic for you. And there are, um, I'm sure there's tutorials like on YouTube and stuff on like how to like do it. So it's really like you can't, you know, you can't see it. Mm-hmm. Right on. Do you have, how much do you personally think about your makeup quality I know you think about your skincare quality a lot, but I know you also do a lot holistically with diet and lifestyle. But like, do you ever feel like putting on makeup is undoing some of the health of your skin? Or do you feel like there's there's makeup brands that are totally fine? Yeah. So I was very sad. Like a year ago, my favorite makeup brand shut down and they were like the cleanest like best like clean makeup brand like I'm talking like the ingredients were like it's not one of these greenwashing clean brands it was like actually amazing and the brand had a lot of heart but I guess you know it's it's hard to run a beauty business so um so they shut down so I'm really bummed about that because their formulas were absolutely amazing um so yeah so I I actually don't typically wear makeup like definitely if I'm home I mean I also go out without makeup all the time mm-hmm. um but if it's like a certain event or if I'm you know gonna be on camera or things like that like I will put makeup on but I try to just kind of like do the minimal and uh I do there was definitely a period where I would only wear clean makeup mm-hmm. but I felt like you know first of all it's not always available um yeah. and what the clean makeup that exists like it's not always working as well as like the the other conventional makeup. So I'm like such a holistic hippie, like, you know, natural lifestyle. I've got like my air purifiers in every room and, you know, my water, like everything is, you know, um, mindful. So I feel like with my makeup, yes, in an de- ideal world, it would be only clean makeup that like lip products I, I try to use only um, clean because like, you know, I'm inevitably eating it um but like other things sometimes like I'm just like I can't like it's just so hard I have so many things to worry about I'm just gonna Mm -hmm. like you know Mm -hmm. use a regular one but yeah ideally we would use clean makeup but I think we have to pick our our battles I totally agree (laughs) I think mascara is the hardest thing like Eye mascara is hard, and then That's it's for like touching your eyeballs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, hopefully it's not touching your eyeballs, yeah. but eventually, you know, it's probably melts into there. Um, Tubes and Co. Organics. I don't know if you've tried any of their makeup. No. Um, their liquid foundation is outrageous. That's what okay. I'm currently using to cover up this blemish. I don't wear okay. makeup. I don't wear a full face makeup hardly ever. Mm-hmm. I really only wear makeup if I'm podcasting or if we're like going out and I'll do like a little um, – they have a really creamy blush mm-hmm. um, stick and yeah. then they have a really nice powdered bronzer and I use their eyebrow pencil and their 
Oh, I think I use Mineral Fusions eyeliner. Anyways, Toops & Co. Organics. This is not even Toops? an ad. Toops, like, T-O-U-P-S. T-O-U-P-S. Yeah, I've never heard of them. Yeah, Emily so it's always nice is to the like founder. Hear. Yeah. She I know her personally and she's wonderful. She's like a homeschool mama. Um, and just she started this business because she was like, I need healthy products for my family that actually work. Mm-hmm. And they have a they also have like tallow bombs and all those other things. So for you that might not work, but they have cleansing oils, they have moisturizing oils, they have incredible makeup. So not even an ad, people. It's just Good I tip. love their stuff. That's that's what I have on there on my face all the time. Um, skin, other skin related questions that I have. Um, my skin routine is pretty basic in the sense that there is not one. <laughs> but, um, but I do find myself in certain seasons, and and it's it tends to be hunting season, wherein I wear a hat like ninety percent of my life, which may be a factor. But it's around uh, dry scalp or dandruff, mm-hmm. and is how much of how much of dandruff is okay. Let, let me start with how I see it and what I believe it to be. Oftentimes, I feel like it's the weather and it's really dry outside, and I've just washed my hair with shampoo that has dried out my scalp, and therefore I now have like an itchy head that is. Um, flaky, mm-hmm. and that there's no That's no, hot. and that there's nothing else I can do about it, right? This is this is this is kind of how I've always seen it, and I'm curious, um, you know, do you have any insight there? Am I way off? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with skin, diet plays a huge role. Skincare plays a huge role, and environment plays a huge role. So the weather, the dryness, the humidity, like all of these things will, you know, be a factor in our skin. Um, so with dandruff, there is, um, something called melisezia yeast that lives on our scalp and our skin. Hmm. And, um, typically, uh, with dandruff, there's an overgrowth of this yeast. And some people tend to be like more, more prone to this than others. So, um, there are some topical things that you could use that might be helpful. So for example, aloe. Um, has some anti like fungal properties that could be like doing like an aloe mask if you have like fresh aloe um, you could put that on or um, any sort of like antifungal essential oil kind of mixed with the oil or even just oil actually this has kind of become popular in the last year or two is like a scalp massage using mm-hmm. oil like this is an ayurvedic um, you know tradition where you take an oil so i like to use jojoba oil and then add some essential oils like rosemary is really good for the scalp um you could add tea tree neem and you just basically you only need a little bit like maybe a t- tablespoon for your whole head and you massage it into your scalp and it really like deep cleans your your scalp um and can kind of take care of if there is like a yeast overgrowth can take care of that and uh yeah, you just wash it out and then like you could let it st- sit overnight and then wash it out. And that really helps with scalp health. Mm. Um, so that's one thing. And then the second thing would be just with the gut, because sometimes like there is that gut connection with like yeast. Um, so you may just want to make sure like the gut is totally in order. Um, I know it sounds like, oh, how could that happen to like my scalp? But there may be some connection between some internal um, fungal mm. overgrowth that's also like manifesting on the head. Yeah, you're probably eating more sugar in the winter because it's like holiday season. Mm-hmm. So that might be a part of it too. It is, it is interesting that like I get like a month a year 
Yeah. That's, that is interesting. Like yeah. a month a year, I kind of will. It's always around hunting season, which I've always liked. Is it because I wear a hat so much? Is it because no, I'm out in the, the out, out in the weather and the cold for so long? I don't know what it is, but anyways, that was that was my thought. Hmm. Um, outstanding. I'll definitely try those things. <laughs> the oil, the that. oil thing is actually amazing. It's also really good for hair growth. So if mm. anyone's like, oh, I want you know thicker hair or like more hair growth, uh, the oil massage is like it's mm. so good for your scalp. You have to be consistent with it. Like do it like once or twice a week for you know let's say a couple months. Um, but you can really see the difference because it helps to bring circulation to your scalp, and with the added blood flow, you're also getting added nutrients to your scalp which is just going to help with, uh, with hair growth, um, and hair health. Mm, that's good. That's good yeah. to know. Bonus right there. Add it to the beauty routine. <laughs> is there any age that is too young for skincare routines? Oh, that's an interesting question. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, cause I really focus more on the food side, but mm -hmm. I think that, you know, I guess we're washing our skin since we're, we're our babies, right? Mm -hmm. um, but like, I don't think there's an interesting book. Um, what is it called? Is it called Clean or Dirt? But basically, it's this whole idea like that we're dirty and that we need soap and we need to cleanse and we need to exfoliate and we need to like do all these things. But the amazing thing about our skin is that it does a lot of these things like on its own, like it mm. exfoliates itself. Right. So I'm not saying like, don't ever go in the shower. No, I'm saying go in the shower, but use water. Like, do we need all of these detergents and all of these soaps and all these things? I don't know. Um, I mean, I like my, I like my bath soap, but it smells good. But um, I think that we just need to be more mindful and like, does a 13 year old need a 10 step skincare? Definitely not. Does a 30-year-old yeah. need 10-step skincare? Definitely not. I don't think anyone mm. needs 10-step skincare. I think the more the, or the less that we can use, the better. I think we just really need to clean. If there is an issue like a pimple, we can treat that. We can spot treat that. I like using tea tree oil, uh, just a drop of that because it has anti-inflammatory properties. And if you popped it, which hopefully you won't, um, and it's like open, it also has antimicrobial properties to you know prevent infection. Um, and, you know, maybe like a moisturizer and I like using oils, like I'll just use like a borage oil or jojoba oil, or sometimes I'll use creams, like thicker creams. Um, but like, I think that's it. Like we don't need a ton of Love products it. on our skin because our skin, if we're eating the nutrients that we need to eat, mm -hmm. like our skin is doing all the things that we need it to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, less is more. I totally agree. I love that. Is there anything, if I could like give you a soapbox to stand on for like a minute, is there anything that you wish you could just shout from the rooftops as it relates to skin health, gut health, beauty, anything, all of the above? I, I'd love your takes. There's two things. So okay. first, I would say that acne is a blessing in disguise. Mm. And I know it really does not seem that way if you're going through it, but promise me, I promise me, I promise you that it really is because it's a communication from your body and mm. hopefully it's that push you need to evaluate your diet and lifestyle and see where you could make improvements and make changes because, you know, inflammation is at the root cause of so many different chronic illnesses and diseases and some like a lot more serious than acne. Not that acne is not serious. It is serious, like, because it's also affecting us mentally, but you know, I'm talking heart disease, diabetes, right? Um, and so 
for many or some people, like the inflammation, the chronic inflammation that they have, it's not showing up on their skin necessarily as acne. It's silent. And they're not finding out about it until it's too late. But when we have acne, it's alerting us, like our body's alerting us uh, early that something is not right, something's off balance. And so it gives us the opportunity to try and figure it out. And what I will say is that you know, there's no sort of one size fits all acne prescription for everyone. Like acne is is caused by inflammation, but what causes inflammation? Various nutrient deficiencies, a pro-inflammatory diet, hormone imbalance, gut imbalance, stress, right? So there's all these different factors. So you need to figure out which of these factors is for you. I recently did, um, was doing some posts on like how your oral health can actually affect your skin because Mm -hmm. your oral microbiome affects your gut microbiome. And like, if you are not taking care of your oral health and you have like gum disease, for example, that's a source of inflammation in your body. And it's not just staying in your, your mouth. It's, it's systemic. It's in your body, right? It's also disrupting your gut. So that can be part of the issue. So you need to find your source of inflammation and target that. So that's Mm. number one. The second thing I just saw, and like, this is so upsetting is that, you know, teenagers are getting Botox and fillers and like, I mean, tens of thousands of teenagers are injected every year. And I just feel this is so wrong. And like, I don't know what has happened to society. Like, I just wish we can go back to, you know, when I was a teenager, we didn't really have the social media yet. And like kids were kids and we were exploring and building and, you know, doing other things than obsessing about our appearance. And um, I just think that we need to be really careful you know that that's even like so for me like I noticed in a picture the other day I was like laughing and I had like lines on my eyes and I'm just like oh god like I hate this but like I like if I had a daughter I wouldn't say that out loud because I don't want her to internalize that like Mm -hmm. and I don't want her like you know I don't want to ever say like oh I feel fat or I feel this or I feel that because it's affecting like our children our youth and Um, I just, yeah, I feel like we need to go in a drastically different direction than that we're going. And I think that, um, taking this value, it's going to be hard, but like, or changing like our perception of what's beautiful. Like why can't a wrinkle be beautiful? Right. Because it shows that you've lived your life or it shows that you're happy. Right. If your wrinkle only appears when you're smiling, I mean, that's like, Mm -hmm. cool. It means you're smiling. So, you know, I think that's, yeah, I just, wish that we can like reach young people and and help them understand that like you don't need botox you don't have wrinkles you don't need preventative botox in your forehead okay just have a healthy lifestyle you won't get the wrinkles right um and yeah so just i wish we weren't using so much botox and fillers and like that has become the the standard it really has are there side effects of using the botox like because it wears off, right? Like it basically, oh, for sure. it basically yeah. like temporarily paralyzes your skin. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So I have like an interesting like little story with Botox. So when I was probably 18 years old, um, I had hyperhidrosis, which is like excessive sweating. So anytime I'd wear a shirt, I'd be like, have like a pool of water, like under my arm. And it's so embarrassing. And, um, 
so at the time it was very popular. I remember whenever I'd go get my nails done, all of the gossip magazines would have all the celebrities at the award shows are, oh, they're doing Botox injections under their arms to stop their sweating. So they don't sweat in their ball gowns, whatever. So I went to my dermatologist and said, I want this. Can you do this? So they said, sure. So they injected Botox into my underarms. And then like two weeks later, I was still sweating. So I went back and I said, like, this is not working. Can you please do it again? And they said, okay. So they injected again. After the second time, my underarms, like they, like I had like a golf ball size, like swelling under my thing. And it was so painful. And it was my lymph nodes were swelling because your underarms are loaded with lymph nodes. And at the time, 18, I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know what lymph nodes were. And uh, like, it wasn't, you know, it didn't occur to me. Uh, nobody told me that there were any potential side effects, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, I mean, this persisted for years and years and years. I mean, I'm talking only recently has like this swelling, like stop, like it would come, like it would come and go, come and go, come and go. And I had to do like a lot to, to kind of like bring my body back into balance. And so, um, I am very anti-Botox. Again, I know this is a very unpopular opinion because I think people don't realize the very real potential side effects of using it. Um, I actually had a podcast with um, this lawyer who had um, tried some cases against the makers of uh, Botox Allergan. Um, he had brought like a bunch of class action lawsuits for people who had been pretty severely injured, some you know fatally, so the families. Um, and there was this one story, you can look it up. Her name is, I think, Carla Shelton, I think mm -hmm. is her name. But she was a OBGYN, like 40-something years old. Did Botox the first time, like totally fine. Did Botox the second time. And she was paralyzed from the waist down. And actually, they were able to prove that she had botulinum um, poisoning, basically. And um, also, like from her case and others, we know that it doesn't just stay locally where it's injected, which is what they always tell you. It actually can spread. And it's Botox, like botulinum um, uh, poisoning, like or uh, botulinum toxin is like the most uh, toxic poison known to man. And wow. we're just freely like injecting it into our, you know, our body for cosmetic reasons. So, um, and another thing I'll add is that. Botox does have a black box warning on it, which is reserved. Like this is a, a, a warning that the FDA requires for basically the most potentially dangerous drugs. And the problem is it's on the box. So when you go into the doctor's office, the doctor takes the bottle out of the box, mm -hmm. you know, throws the box away and does the injection. You never see the box. Right. I've never been told about the black box warning. And my friends, I have a lot of friends who get Botox. They've never been told about the black box warning before they're injected. So I think that you really need to do your research. There's a lot of um, Botox like uh, and filler side effect groups like on Facebook and social media that you can go look. And I just encourage you just look around and see what's happening. There's like, you know, the story of that girl whose eye like became really droopy. Like, I just think that we have this idea that they're completely harmless and they wear off in six months, but it's really not the case. Mm -hmm. Even with filler... There's um, Dr. Amir Karen, I believe is his name on YouTube. He kind of talks about this. He's a plastic surgeon. And he talks about filler. Like they say it wears off, but it doesn't. It actually stays in your, you know, it stays in your face. And he says like when he's, um, you know, doing plastic surgery, he can see like who's done filler because their muscles are like kind of like 
flaccid and like disintegrated a little bit. Like he oh told my. this one story of trying to do a facelift and he had a really hard time like sewing the lady back up because her, her muscles were just like tearing basically from all this filler she had. And we also know that filler lasts like, um, you know, they've done MRIs on people who've had filler like 10 years ago and haven't had it since. There's the filler still in their face. So just do your research before you consider any of this stuff, guys. Like it's not as simple as it seems. And I will say, I know this sign, this kind of sounds crazy, but facial massage is like a game changer. If you mm. want to sculpt your face, if you want to like make your nose like narrow, your lips bigger, your cheeks more defined, like it's all lymphatic drainage and doing the facial massage or like gua sha or all this stuff, it actually makes a huge difference if you're consistent with it. Mm, okay. So I I totally love everything you just said. Thank you for breaking that down because, um, yeah, I, I think Botox has become such a normal thing. It's almost like expectation. Like, what do you mean? Like, you're in your 30s and you don't. And uh, I think that's wild. So when it comes to – I have such a heart for the next generation. We have three daughters. So, you know, we're going to be doing this times three. But with our oldest, I feel like I'm constantly having conversations with her about, you know – she'll get a skincare bundle for Christmas from a from a relative who has no idea and isn't on the same kind of like real food value, you know, lifestyle that yeah. we are. And I'll just have to explain like, hey, there might be some elements of this that are actually going to harm your skin. You don't want to strip your oils too much. It's okay to have clean skin, but you don't need to over cleanse. Like you're, you're currently not, you don't need to do that. She did, however, get a really nice um, gua sha thing. And I said, you know what, here's the beauty. Sometimes YouTube is appropriate. Look up some good YouTube videos because that can be really good for your skin. Also like, girl, can I borrow it? You know what I'm saying? Like give that to your mama. So like, conversations like that are super helpful because I'm clear and she doesn't wear makeup and I, I'm glad. And if she asked me to wear makeup, I would be very hesitant to let her. Um, she doesn't need it. She's, she's beautiful as is, but also even like when we're picking out deodorant, I'm like, girl, you don't need an antiperspirant. Like it's normal to sweat. You want to sweat. You're working out. You want to sweat. You want to sweat during the day. It's a natural detoxification. So this whole thing that women have, tried to erase every kind of biological norm so that we can like stay, you know, like almost prepubescent, like it's odd, um, is is something you have to kind of combat when you have kids or nieces or nephews or whoever that you're talking to and you just want to like encourage their natural, graceful aging. Um, I think those conversations are so key. And I think it's, I was telling Joey this morning, I was like, how lucky are our girls that like we get to host a podcast and interview all these amazing people and gain all this insight so we can share with them so they can maybe sidestep some of the mistakes that we have made. Mm -hmm. So I just really appreciate everything you've said and what you've shared. I can tell your heart is in it because you've walked in that space of struggling with skin and it's so hard. And now you're like, I found freedom and beautiful, healthy, glowing skin and you have stunning skin. So um, what a beautiful testimony that is. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I've loved it. Any last questions, Joe? That's it. I'm I'm sure we'll be talking to Maria again very soon. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I awesome. So. Well, thank you so much. We will talk to you soon. Bye. Intentionally. Okay. And with that, Maria has left the virtual chat. Yeah, we just found out she was recording from Dubai. I had no idea. I thought she was in the States that whole time. She was like, she had like the best internet of any guest ever. Yeah. There was like zero lag. Shout out to Dubai out there shout, crushing the internet bandwidth. Shout out to Maria. Yeah. Girl. Okay. So this whole episode, 
Obviously, Joey and I are very personally motivated because one, we want to have beautiful glowing skin. Two, we want to teach our kids how to have beautiful glowing skin. Mm. But also I have a lot of friends who either have like hormonal acne or they they want to learn how to like age gracefully. I just think everyone cares. Like having healthy glowing skin is I don't think it's a bad thing to want. I think we shouldn't obsess over it. And I love that she gave us really practical tips that happen to align with our lifestyle already. So that's convenient. I love it. Listen, gang, we've been doing this thing for a while. If, if you're if it's your first time listening, great to have you. Uh, we've got a ton of other episodes you can go check out, or you can just stay tuned. We drop every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, be here same time next week. Additionally, we have a lot of other things going on. Okay. If it's your first time, we have a products business that we try to keep people on the real food journey path with the products that we sell. We're trying to change the way you shop. And we're only just getting started. It's shoptheh.com, Hazelmeyer Goods. We sell everything from soap to coffee and tea. Maybe a matcha coming soon after this this uh, mm-hmm. this episode. It's actually been something we've been toying around with. Yeah, so. matcha's been on the list. Our soaps are like handmade raw milk tallow soaps, beautiful lard dish soaps. Like fragrance-free. Fragrance-free. This is not like go to your Kroger and totally. pick up a bar of whatever. This is amazing high quality small batch soap we've got sourdough tools we've got we've got amazing specialty coffee Mm. we have certified organic certified fair trade teas Mm. we were just trying to find the things that we feel fit with our family's values and also help benefit the vendor who we're sourcing it from and then open it up to you guys it's like our own little kind of like farmer's market online is kind of how i see it we also have a community of people that want more you are working your butts off on this real food journey thing. And you're like, Liz and Joey, you're just not giving me enough. <laughs> uh, this is our Substack community. If you're a part of that, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you can find that Substack community on our Instagram bio. bio or how else can you find it? Uh, I think you can just go to substack.com slash homegrown underscore education. It's the same tag as all of our other. Roger that. And, and it's also linked in the show notes. What we're going to do very soon is send out an email asking people like, asking you who you'd like to hear more from that we've had on this podcast. Mm -hmm. This will be specific for the Substack. So if you're not a part of that community, uh, become a part of that community because we can only take so many questions. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, as much as we'd like to ask Maria another couple, you know, thousand questions, um, we can't do that. So jump into that that Substack community. If you have any extra questions for someone like Maria, let us know what you got. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll have her back on, ask her said said uh, questions to kind of do a follow-up Q&A for, the, for that Substack community. Mm-hmm. So um, you can follow us on Instagram. You can follow me at Joey Hazelmeyer, Elizabeth at Liz Hazelmeyer, Homegrown Education at Homegrown underscore Education. We have a website where we sell nutrition curriculum. Okay. For you and for your kids, we've got books on there. We've written a number of books. It's called homegrowneducation.org. And until next time, that's a wrap.